Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. You're with myself, Steve Wiss, and Jonathan Faduba. How's everyone doing? I hope you're well. Jonathan, how's tricks? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're back. Hope you are doing well and enjoying the summer. Um, the calls were out, Steve. The calls were out on Twitter. Where is the Nordic Football Podcast? A few tweets we've had. Um, obviously, I had a little break. Uh, mainly this week because I know you were away, um, and I, I've heard reports Steve, you were on a boat somewhere, somewhere northern, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it conjured up an image in my mind. So, just tell me where you've been. Uh, what, what's delayed the listeners from their their fix of the Nordic Pod for a few days? Well, you know me, ever the sea dog. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was staying on a boat in uh, Hartlepool Marina with the uh, family the last few days. Um, so, yeah, something a bit different <laughs> on the on the waters there. Um, yeah, what, what can I say? You know, it was it's a bit of an underrated place, actually, Hartlepool. Um, I feel a bit like Jeff Stelling here. Do you remember that rant he once did? Was it about Middlesbrough when he uh, defended the, the town of Middlesbrough up there? I don't know. No, there's, there's some nice people up there. It's actually not a bad area. And... Um, I nearly even watched a bit of Hartlepool United, but that was a step too far when I saw their ticket prices. But um, yeah, it was good, mate, to be on on the on on the waters. You know the uh, you know the, the 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 waters can be choppy sometimes, can't they? But also, it can be a great uh, great place to be. I've just got this conjured image in my mind of you just on a boat somewhere in Hartlepool. Like, I, ne- I never even knew that was that was a, a vacation spot. So fair play. I mean, t- Hartlepool doesn't get the best press at times, so. Did you have fun? Was it good weather? Like you know, was it? Yeah. W- would you recommend it? Yeah, it's not too bad. The, the beaches there are not really actually quite good. I mean, compared to say the, the other best sort of spots in in the north Northumberland or something that gets a lot of really good press, like your Bambers and that and Sea Houses. You know, Hartlepool wasn't too bad, and you know, stay on the boat. The kids, the kids, kids loved it. A bit of a novelty for them. That's what you got to do. Keep them happy in the summer holidays. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was an interesting experience, yeah. yeah. Great I, to hear. And keeping the kids happy always important. But I tell you, who will not be happy tonight? It's uh, it's Rosenborg, and that's where we're going to start this podcast this week. We're going to talk about Europe. It's going to be the bulk of the show. Um, we've got a few domestic matters to talk about, of course. But as it being a midweek uh, episode, we will, we will talk about. There's been a lot going on in Europe, hasn't there? I mean, we had a, a tweet. I will just briefly read out um, from. Loyal follower of the podcast, Joe Gould at 12th Yank. And he said, Steve, that he is looking forward to the next episode of the Nordic Football Podcast um, because he wants to hear what we have to say uh, about about some of the European action that's been going on. Absolutely chomping at the bit for the next Nordic Football to come out. So much to cover. So let's get right into it. Um, This game, luckily enough for both of us, was actually on British TV. Uh, BBC Scotland iPlayer as well we tweeted it out and so we've both been able to watch this match Steve so we're gonna do a little bit of a maybe not an analysis but we're gonna just look into this game in a little bit of detail Rosenborg have crashed out of Europe against Hearts from Scotland Bonnie Scotland not too far away from where you were on your boat um Steve you're the Norwegian expert you tell us about the game the context first leg what's happened what does it mean uh Rosenborg have gone out yeah, 
Uh, first leg was uh, last week in Norway. Rosenborg raced into a 2-0 lead with a crucial late-ish goal from Lawrence Shankland uh, reduced the arrears to set things up really close for the second leg. A, a really good start for Rosenborg early on uh, this evening. They they took a, the lead, I think, inside the fifth minute um, against Hearts. But there was a very quick equaliser and... I don't know. I just felt like it was always going to be a case of that Hearts would go 2-1 up. I actually felt we were destined for extra time, if I'm being honest. It just felt like one of those matches which was geared up towards extra time. Um, but we didn't get there because there was a late deflected winner for Hearts and the crowd went absolutely wild. It was, I, I, it was a really good game of football, actually. I, um, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I, I was pleased for Hearts. I was. The fans really seemed to enjoy it. I was, I was disappointed for Rosenborg, but you could see the joy in the Hearts fans. Um, you know, every time a goal was scored, they were going wild. It felt like a proper atmosphere, you know? You don't get that these days as often as you should do. And um, it, you can tell it meant an awful lot to them. It was a good battle. I think there was not much between the two teams over, over the two legs. So, you know, that was a good... I mean, what are Rosen, I think last year's Rosenborg would have beat them over two legs. But uh, this year's Rosenborg aren't as good. They're more sort of a mid-table Elitisarian side against what are Hearts the third best team in Scotland or are Hibs? I'm not sure who's the best out of those two. But that's sort of the level that we're at. You know, third place in Scotland is about equal to maybe mid-table Elitisarian now. Yeah, and I actually agree with you on what you said about the atmosphere. It was really, really good atmosphere. They had some mm. sort of like ultras section behind the goal where um, the, the third goal was scored and they, they went crazy, didn't they? Um, and it was Cam Devlin. Uh, Hart's uh, Twitter account tweeted, he's he bloody done it again in capital letters. They really went mad about this. Um, I'm trying to find the attendance, but I can't, can't see it at the moment. Uh, this is I'm actually going to do a public service announcement here. For anyone who com- Matt does match commentary on matches, this is a bugbear of mine. Put the attendance, please. Uh, and also, if you're doing match reports, put the lineups. Like that is one of my biggest bugbears, Steve. Like match reports with no line, low lineup, and no attendance. You can even hear my voice back in 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 anger. Um, but yeah, I can't see the attendance now. But it looked like a good crowd. Let's be fair. Um, I, I watched this game as well, so you know I've got a few things to say. But I want you to be leading the conversation here as the as the Norwegian expert. Um, so, yeah, goals from Shankland, who I thought looked really good, by the way. Uh, two from Devlin. Uh, Thorvaldsen had given Rosenborg an early lead in the, in the sixth minute, but they just couldn't quite hold on, Rosenborg, could they? I mean, they, at that point, they were they were 3-1 up in the tie. Um, and then, obviously, they, they've been hit with three goals, essentially, to lose it. Steve, what, what went wrong for you in, in the second leg in terms of throwing away that lead? I, I actually think you mentioned Shankland there. I think he was the difference between the two teams over... The two legs. You got Rosenborg striker Ole Christian Seiter. He's injured until the end of the month. Um, he would have led their line, but Hearts's uh, main forward was uh, in operation. Twenty-four goals last year. Thought he had a really good finish for his goal tonight. It was a wasn't a lucky finish. He knew what he was doing. He looks uh, looks fairly classy actually, but not just his finishing ability. He just led the line really well. Um, what went wrong? I mean, you look. At, I'm looking at. Rosenborg 11 and I mean you actually messaged me during the game you said are they missing some players here because I, I think you looked at the team and you probably thought who the hell's that right That's, I, I knew I knew what you meant when you asked me that one um, because th- there are some different players now 
in, in this team. They are, you know, they've had some injuries. Uh, some players have moved on. And um, where did it go wrong? I just think what they didn't quite make the most of their the chances they had on the break. Like the final pass let them down a little bit tonight. Hearts, I think, maybe just slightly wanted it a little bit more. And I think they deserved it just overall on the night. They, they just showed a little bit more class, I thought. And they were propelled home by by the crowd. But the Rosenborg, just a little bit naive, a little bit lightweight, maybe physically at times. There's some young players on in that in that team this evening. So I think, if anything, that's where, where, the, where it went wrong for them. Yeah, I did. I did um, message you. I was thinking that they're missing one or two here, um, and I do agree with your assessment. I mean, firstly, just on Shankland, I think he. Uh, I know he got he got moved to Belgium, didn't he, at one point, and he's got a decent goal record for Hearts. I have to say, I was impressed with him. He looked he looked a cut above, um, and I felt I don't know if you'd agree with me, Steve, but I, I felt the intensity of Hearts. I was actually quite surprised. Um, I thought the I thought Rosenborg were dominated in terms of the intensity i just thought they were i, yeah. I nearly messaged you to say i don't think this i think that hearts will win this i didn't i didn't think it would go to extra time to be honest you just it sensed it didn't you that hearts yeah. I, I knew hearts were going to go two on up at some point in that yeah. second half and then they got the goal quite early didn't they in the second half and, and it really quietened down for about 25 minutes and then you all felt in the last 10 minutes that uh it was you know if any team was going to score it was going to be hearts so yeah they lost they were just yeah the intensity got to them in the end didn't it yeah, I thought they had a lot more energy. Um, and that's kind of why I messaged you. I was like, is there maybe that they're missing some players? Maybe we wasn't ball. But then at the end of the day, we've talked about it a lot this season. They're not, you know, that we had one episode called Are They Going to Go Down? So I kind of thought to myself, you know what, this is probably a lower sort of mid table Elite to Serene team at the end of the day, isn't it? So that kind of partly explains it. I thought if they, if Hearts were playing maybe Glimpse or someone like that, maybe it would have been a different prospect. But I really felt that they lacked a bit of physicality, a bit of dynamism, Rosenborg. And Hearts actually had that energy. They were proper up for it. So as the game wore on, I felt that um, I felt that I did feel that it was looking uh, deep, deep, like it was looking bleak for them. Um, Steve, I've got to mention this player because this lad's caught my eye. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Sphere House of Nipan, 16 year old. Uh, tell me about him because for me, he's got a big future in the game. I mean, he was pinging past. He not. Only, there was one moment in the second half. He pinged, he pinged a pass about 25 yards out to the wide, wide areas. And then I saw him in about five minutes later receiving the ball, beat like two men. I think he won a foul or created a try. And I was just thinking, who? I was watching him thinking, he's doing two jobs here in midfield. Um, to be fair, um, and I think at 16, Steve, it was a bit of a risk playing him for the whole 90 minutes because I felt he was, you know, he, he looked a bit tired towards the end and he kind of was at fault for that third goal, wasn't he? He got done by Devlin um, and then the one-two off Shanklin and kind of the deflected win. It was a bit unfortunate, wasn't it, for Rizmo? But but um, in terms of a 16-year-old playing away from home in Europe, that I I came out of this game, Steve, thinking he's this this kid's got talent. Um, you know I love a midfielder. What, what was your assessment of him? I mean, how's he been settling in? Yeah, I mean he's burst on the scene this year. Where's he come from? Even like where? Yeah, like he's the best. Pro- yeah, he's probably the best prospect that's come through the Rosenborg youth system in quite some time. You almost forget his age. Um, I mean, but then again, guys like Wayne Rooney were sixteen, weren't they? Fifteen even when um, he sort of burst onto the scene. I, I think what what this lad's got is obviously at sixteen, he's more physically developed than most players at his age. 
I'm not. I'm, there's a lot more growing to do and all that lot. Of course there is, but he's still for his age. He's really well developed that way. Um, and but he just seems well above his age in terms of intellect as well. Like his his vision is is excellent. Um, I can't believe that really. But you, you do get a, a, you know, occasional players like this who, you know, this is why you know back in the spring, big clubs were linked with him. Man United, I think, were, were a hot name uh, linked, but several others. He's going to be on the radar of. Uh, he's certainly going to be on that radar. Let's just say, in the next year or so, he'll probably be leading Rosenborg to somewhere big. Um, because he does look an excellent prospect. Every, he seems to catch the eye all the time recently, not just in Europe, but domestically as well. So they've got a really good young kid there. Yeah, Norwegian youngster. I thought he was brilliant, to be honest. Um, some of the passing was, wow. Um, and then the ability to dribble as well. Uh, just like you said, decent physicality. I, I noticed at the end of the game, a couple of Hearts players went to him. I don't know if he was crying, but... Um, I mean, who could blame him when you're six, when you're a 16 year old? I'd be crying as well if you know playing so well like that and getting knocked out. But um, it seemed to me they went to him and were sort of like saying, you know, like you know, it, the vibe I got was like, you know, don't worry, you know, you're a proper player type. Thing. You know, like sometimes when players have that respect when you come off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean when a game ends and you're like, I've got to go and say something to him because he he was good. Uh, that's how I felt watching that little exchange. But um, where does this leave Rosenborg, Steve? I mean. Not the best of seasons for them, really. In general, were they banking all their chips on kind of going far in Europe, or was this maybe were they maybe not expected to to go too far? I mean, Hearts now will play uh, Powark of Greece, so you know, what would you, how would you assess this run and what it says about Rosenborg? Yeah, when Rosenborg were up, I was actually looking who they'd potentially play next. Uh, at that stage, I was getting excited. Um, now I saw it was Powark, <laughs> so in a way, I'm quite glad that. I don't have to talk about any Greek teams. I've got into, into a little bit of trouble on Twitter this week, slagging off Greek teams. So uh, at least we don't have to talk. At least you, I don't have to talk about you, you getting in trouble on Twitter. I would never. I'm very well behaved on Twitter these days, Jonathan. Love you, believe. But I was rather <laughs> dissing the Greek league after Marseille's loss um, on Tuesday <laughs> night, and it didn't go down too well with some quarters. So. Uh, uh, they're joking aside that Greek league is actually improving. I actually think Power could go will beat Hearts ever two legs, but um, yeah, um, where was I at? Where's it leave Rosenborg? Eighth in the Elite Serien, out of the Norwegian Cup and out of Europe, so they're in kind of no man's land. They've got um, uh, Swine Marlin is in charge until the end of the season, the former Ranheim boss. They have won four games in a row in the Elite Serien, so they just got to try and finish as high as they can. Try and get in the top four because that can potentially get into, get you into Europe again. Yeah, there's always a team that finishes really strongly second half of the season. They're only eight points off fourth. When I say only eight. It's quite a lot of points, isn't it? And that's Mulder, who would be looking upwards rather than down. So, yeah, I think they've just got to try and... I mean, they it's going to go one way or the other, isn't it? They're either going to finish really strongly like a train or they get the final third and... They're in mid-table mid mediocrity. It's really difficult to tell. We just don't know. But it's there's, I guess there's not maybe that much excitement anymore left for the fans this year. Yeah, not a great season. Sort of petering out really for um, for Rosenborg. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, Rosenborg hearts are broken, literally. So mm. let's move on. Um, we're going to have quite a, this is going to be quite a, a Norway featured pod, by the way. There's a lot to talk about in Norway. So if you do enjoy Elite Serien, then, uh, you know, get your cup of tea out and, 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 and sit down and enjoy yourself because there's more to talk about. I just wanted to say, Steve, I actually, um, 
I thought that uh, former uh, former Beko Hackenman actually Adam Anderson that right back for for Rosenberg. I thought he I thought he had a decent game to be fair. I thought he looked okay. Uh, and Holzer I thought was all right, but um, all in all, yeah, just just lack they just lack a bit of dynamism. Rosenberg I think I can I can see why they're eighth. I thought the wide wide areas going forward they just like. I thought the two wide players in that four three three they're not they're not amazing in tight spaces like not amazing pace wise like into getting behind. Um, Pereira, to be fair to him, did a decent job, got an assist. But yeah, my assessment in general was that I, I could I, I could I came out of that game thinking I can see why Rosenborg are not having a great season. I feel like there's a lot of work to do there. Um, but let's move on in, in better news for Norwegian teams, Steve. There's a uh, there's a lot else to talk about. There's three other teams uh, who we've yeah. done not so badly. Yeah, Molde are through to the Champions League playoff, final playoff round against uh, Galatasaray of a two legs. Winner gets into the group stages. They beat heroic uh, Faroe East champions, KI, Klaxvik, over two legs. They needed extra time, 2-0 after extra time in the second leg. I tip my hat to Klaxvik for an unbelievable run in the Champions League. They will be playing in one of the either Europa League groups or the uh, Conference League groups. So fair play to them. Molder really made hard work of that tie. But you've got to give credit to Klaxvik. Then, obviously, in the Conference League, it's more good news for Norway. Bran are surprisingly through uh, against AZ Alkmaar. They beat Aruka, the Portuguese side, over two legs. I don't think many people thought they'd do that, to be honest. Um, but fair play, a 3-1 win in the second leg this evening has got them through get tough, tough task against AZ must be said, but you know, funny things can happen in football and uh, Buda glimpse are through a comfortable uh, on aggregate against uh, Punic, the Armenian side who knocked out Kalmar and the reward for Buda Glimt is a get a two legged tie against Romanian side called Sepsi, who I've got to be brutally honest. I've never heard of them in my life. Apologies to any Sepsi fans listening. Um, but I don't even know how good you are. I've never heard of you before. Um, but I mean, <laughs> just going by the name, it does seem like a favourable tie. Well, I know for one thing, you don't want to get sepsy because it can kill you. Uh, but that's that's, <laughs> that's the why that's the medical condition. So uh, we won't talk too much about that. But um, in terms of the club itself, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but I would say. Steve, just on Bran, um, I, I read according to at Nordic Footy, um, I think it was Nordic Footy, someone, no, I think it was Foot, Foot Mob, just reading it now, sorry, the tweet, that according to them, it was one of the biggest attendances they've had in Europe. Uh, I'm just going to read the tweet. Um, Tonight was Bran's highest ever attendance for a European game. This is a team who've played the likes of Liverpool, Marseille, PSV and Hamburg. Uh, I don't have the official attendance again. Um, I'll refer you to my previous rant earlier in the show, but uh, that that seems incredible as well, really. I mean, Bran, Bran uh, you know, where Rosenborg are sort of slipping at the moment, Bran really seem to be on the up, don't they? That's a massive result. Well, that's what I was thinking tonight. I'm thinking, is that a sign of where Norwegian football is now? Sort of your traditional power horse of Rosenborg back in the day. Kind of out of the way, aren't they now? And there's other teams like your Mulder, Buda Glimp, Bran who are reeking now, doing really well in the league, and that they had a really good European run last year as well. You know, the times change, don't they? So, yeah, that's a great one for Brandt. Obviously, it would be their first match uh, in Europe at home since they really redeveloped their stadium, so that would explain the attendance record. Right. But, um, 
yeah, fair play to them. And now I think they 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 will now get the weekend off because any team that reaches the playoff round in Norway, in Elita Serien, has the right. The league lets them do this. They can postpone their fixture this weekend and it'll be played later in the season to them for the focus on the playoff round. I know Brann are definitely going to be taking them up on that. I think Molden might well be as well. Whether Glimt might not, they don't always do that. Um, you know, if they have my line of thinking and, and, and think they've got a soft draw, they might just keep playing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Brand will, will will be looking to get their match postponed against Allison this weekend now to focus on AZ Altmar over two legs. Big tie, but, I mean, we saw a few years ago, Rosenborg knocked out Ajax, didn't they, over two legs? And that was a huge shock at the time. So this would be maybe something similar. Yes, I remember that. That was the Adig Benro, Adig yeah. Benro game, wasn't it? Who can yeah. forget that? That was a brilliant. Um, well, yeah, memories. Now that was a long time ago, wasn't it? And how the mighty have fallen, I guess, in terms in, in Rosenborg's uh, sense. Um, definitely seems to be sort of uh, times are changing, as you've just said there. Uh, so yeah, well, well done to Brand. I mean, they're really. You mentioned um, Rosenborg's kind of decline. Brand are really having a, a, a bit of a rise, aren't they? Um, let's look at the other ties that are going to be taking place. Then, what are the next ties in the, in in this um, yeah. in Europe, and how do you see them potentially going? I mean, you don't need a full prediction, but I mean, they are next week, aren't they? So they're not far away. So maybe you want to sort of talk about them as well, and just lay the you know what lay the land lay the landscape for us. Well, I will do my research on uh, Sepsi before the next podcast. Um... But I would back Buda Glimps against any team from Romania, even the champions of Romania over two legs. So I think they've got to expect themselves. They would expect now to make it to the group stages of the Conference League there. Brown are definitely the, a big underdog against AZ. You know, AZ, didn't they reach the semi-finals of the Conference League last year? Something like that anyway, I think. Uh, West Ham beat them, didn't they? AZ out um, yeah. Yep. But we refer back to one of your rants on this podcast a few weeks ago. What what lies outside of the Dutch league, uh, aside from the top three? How good is that league standard? So we will be tested here again, this theory of yours. <laughs> um, you know, what are AZ? Only AZ have only got past the Andorran side. I think, was it 2-0 tonight or something? 3-0 on aggregate? It's not exactly brilliant. Is it from them? I mean, you know, get the job done. Um, they'll be better against Bran, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that's I don't know. That's one of those times that if Bran can get their act together at home, you never know, do you? I think I think um, that's an, that's an appealing game. That I, I would like to watch that. That's a an, good game. Yeah. And then obviously then the Champions League. Now, I will absolutely hang my colours to Molder here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly enjoy seeing them beat Galatasaray uh, over two legs. I think um, we're going to have to I think we're going to have to cut this one quickly. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to going to have to interrupt you. But yeah, no. So, um it's a tough one because a Galatasaray Turkish football is going to be on the rise again. I'll I'll tell you that now. Um there's a lot of decent players have moved back into that league. Fenerbahce as well have signed well this summer. Galatasaray are the champions. You know, I used to criticize Turkish football, didn't I, quite a bit? Um, and rightly so, it had a really poor run. But I actually think it's rebounding again. And from what I've seen, I actually think Greek footballers as well. So it's weird, isn't it, how it goes in cycles in football. So 
I actually think Galatasaray, I do think Galatasaray will beat Molder over two legs. Molder don't do enough in Europe usually. The only thing they might enjoy is now they're the underdog, right? And I think that might suit Molder a little bit more where they can play on the counter-attack, maybe the pressure's on the visit on, on, on their opposition, but hell's bells, you don't want to be going. I can't think of a worse place to go for a second leg. Can you than Galatasaray away? I think there's I think there's definitely uh I know you're a Leeds fan, but I think there's definitely a, a, a Newcastle star. I will love it if they beat them. Love it. Well it was gonna be I I I yeah, basically a bit like your you know Hammerby uh, thing the other week. Yeah, I would love it if if they beat them. Yeah, it'd be it be But the thing is, I mean, just like on, on that point, um I mean Wilfried Zaha's gonna be playing against Mulder potentially. So that's you know that's the level of Galatasaray players. They've got Icardi, they've got Zaha, they've got uh, someone who you'll be very familiar with, Steve, that might give you, give you a bit of nostalgia. Cedric Bakambu. Um, I, mate, I'm he, telling you, he, that, yeah. He gives me a lot well. of French football nostalgia. Um, they've got some good players, so yeah, no, definitely. It's a good I squad think, now. Yeah, that, mm. that looks tough. Um, what about Glimt? Yeah, they should pretty comfortably get past sepsi over two legs you, you, think, think. you think they'll win that game like you you, you know yeah, you I, yeah okay if they if they focus on it i mean i i think that match against punic was a potential banana skin it's a tough trip to armenia um you know that's a good warm-up isn't it for for this sort of match glimps are well well experienced in europe now they know how to some of their better performances are in europe nowadays so yeah, I think they 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 want to be in a, involved in a conference league group stage again, and um, yeah, this is all good for Norwegian coefficient as well. By the way, you know, Molder are guaranteed to be in the Europa League group, whatever. Yeah, I think Glimt will have a good chance of making it into a group, and you know, Bran, why not? I'd just say we ended with three teams, three Norwegian teams in the in group stages. Would that have ever happened before? I don't think so. So yeah, and ironically, um, I mean, just looking at Azad Alkmaar's result. Their their second goal tonight was scored by a player who uh, who played for Hammerby, Michael Lardo. So um, you know that tells you a little bit. Maybe I mean I got in a bit of trouble for my rant, but I uh, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna go easy on on Dutch teams this week. I I, uh, I put my I put my foot in it a little bit in some ways, but um, you listen. get into trouble as well. <laughs> it's your bad influence rubbing off on me. But uh, yeah, I did have a bit of a, a bit of a rant on that. You can go back to a few episodes if you want to hear that that uh, conversation. But yeah, Michael Lardo on the score sheet, which is nice. He's, he was a Hammerby um, prospect who was sold on. And I, I do quite like him, actually. I think he's a decent player. Didn't get to see a huge amount of him in, in offense camp, but um, he scored for Alkmaar. So that, that'll be a challenging one. Do you have a prediction, just like forecasting it now? We'll talk about it next week, of course. But uh, are you leaning one way or the other in terms of who, who might go through in that game? Which which match was that again? AZ Brand. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I've got a gut feeling Bran might do it. I mean, call me absolutely mad there. But I'm just going with a gut feeling. Um, I don't know. There's something special been going on at Bran. And uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to listen to what you said a few weeks ago. Uh, is Dutch football that good outside the top, the big three? So I'm going to say Bran. Why not? I mean, a lot of logic yeah. does point towards AZ, but um, let's see them give it larger. I think Brad will be up for it. That's one thing for sure. Mm. I mean, just to just to be balanced. I'm a man who believes in balance. FC twenty beat Riga tonight three nil and progressed five nil. So, you know, um the Hammerbees conquerors have, have sort of progressed again. Uh, but yeah, Brand just to just to wrap it up in terms of that Aruka win. Myra, Knudsen and Bard Finner 
on the score sheet. A fantastic win for Brand in front of a rowdy crowd. So um, well done to all three. Let's should we move to domestic matters or should we talk about hacking briefly? Maybe we should let's move to what do you want to do? Stay with you. Let's, let's stay with Norway. Let's stay with yeah. Norway. Yeah, Norway. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Norway. hacking. There's only yeah. one team, yeah. isn't it? So let, let's stay with yeah. Norway. Um, keep the flow of it. Uh, and I mean, we have got a lot to talk about, but you the main thing on your itinerary this week, Steve, is Viking. Mm-hmm. Now we need to talk about Viking because there's been a few questions actually about them as well. But generally speaking, uh, they're a team that have gone a little bit under radar, Stephen. It's t- now it's time to address that. So take it away. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nine uh, league games in a row now. They've won. Viking. Um, and they're joint top of the elite stone table with only 12 matches left. So absolutely no doubt they have to be considered a legitimate title challenger. 41 points each for them and Glimt. Tromso have a game in hand and if they win that then they would go two points behind both of those two although with a much inferior goal difference at this stage so we've got a, a title race haven't we it looked like glimp were going to be running away with it but two losses in a row have set them back a bit and it's game on again so i know there's a few people asking me now can viking win the title you know this is a huge shock what's going on why what's how have they been able to win so many games? So yeah, I'm probably I'm going to address that a bit now and uh, and 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 tell you what the hell's been going on. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have one question uh, from Alex at P2P underscore Alex. Thanks so much for your um, comments. I always see him commenting on Twitter, which is great. He says would it would be great to hear at Meet Man Soccer talk about how big a surprise Viking have been, and uh, can I guess it, it says get they do it, but I guess that means can they do it. Um, Steve, what is the key to Viking success? I mean, how big a surprise is this? I know they are quite a big club, actually, aren't they? Um, but what's the key to the success? And I think I know what you're going to say here, but can they do it? I think, where did I have in pre-season prediction? I think I had them about sixth or seventh, maybe. They were really hard to, to forecast this season because last year was just a down year for them. Signings, uh, sorry, players left the club. They had a European run. And just kind of drifted. But the year before, they were really good. So I didn't know which direction they were going to go. Um, I, I certainly didn't expect this. They're a team that are capable of beating anyone on their day, but usually can lose to anyone on their day as well. For them to go nine wins in a row, I never would have seen that coming because they are the sort of team who would just have a stupid game where they, they let something slip uh, and lose to someone random. So it's a bit of consistency. They've overachieved with their metrics, but not as, you know, nowhere near the level of, say, a Tromso, because we can do have significant firepower in their ranks. Um, they've got some really good attacking players. Zlatko Tripic is the heartbeat of the team, obviously, uh, the captain, the final third. Lyles Jürgen Salverson would be an interesting one because Glimt, of course, sold him to um, Viking this season, the start of the season. So imagine if he were to move there and beat Glimt to the title. He, that would Tastes quite sweet to him. Um, the lad they brought in from Australia, Nick D'Agostino, has had a good year. And I think at the back, David Bracalo has impressed me. Um, but I do look at their their numbers. And, you know, they have an expected goals against average per game of 1.53, which is, in, in Elita Serian terms, well, bottom half 
in terms of that. Now, they have conceded an average of 1.39 per game, so not really overachieved it, but it does show you that they are defensively vulnerable. That's my concern heading into the final 12 games. There will be matches where they're just not tight enough and inevitably some teams will score goals on them. And then can you rely on winning shootouts week in, week out? Well, at the moment they can because they've got the firepower, but will they be able to keep that up? I'm not sure. But they have to be respected because they they contain a squad with good quality in, uh, led by a leader, and their overall underlying metrics are not too bad. So let's let's wait and see. Yeah, the next three games of uh, Starbeck at home, Mulder away, Olarengo at home. I mean, Steve. All all I can see. I mean, it's like it's like uh, like Puff Daddy might say or something. All I can see is green on their on their recent form guide. It's um, wins, wins, wins. I mean, they beat Lillestrøm three one in the most recent game. Goals from uh, Solbak and Salverson and D'Agostino, as you mentioned there. I mean. Before that, they've beaten Glimp 3-2. They've beaten Brand 2-0 away, two teams that you've just been praising. They're really on fire, aren't they? I mean, that is, you know, that is an incredible run. You probably think it's maybe they might just run out of steam a little bit. Is there anything? I mean, we've still got the window open. We're going to talk about transfers in a minute. Is there anything you'd say they need to do? Is there any maybe late business? Is there any maybe outgoings that could could affect them? Because certainly in Sweden, in, in the title race, which we'll talk about in part two, there's, there's been transfers that are going to maybe alter the whole title race. So from your point of view, that... Is there anything that could either go their way or go the other way? You can never really rule anything out, can you, in, in, in football? But I think last year was the year where they got affected more negatively by uh, players leaving. So it might be sort of good timing. This is the year that they're in contention. In terms of bringing players in, I would like them now. You know what I would do if I was in charge of them, you know, the sporting director or whatever, I would put my eggs into this basket now. This might be the one chance they have of winning a title in the next, say, 10 years. So I'd go all out to try and beat Buda, Glimt and Tromso and Mulder to the gold medal. What they, they could just do is a little bit more depth, I think, in, in defensive areas. Um, maybe another centre-back. Trippic would be irreplaceable. If Trippic got injured, they'd have no chance of, of winning a title, in my opinion. Um, so someone in his position... I guess the problem is how can you replace an irreplaceable player? <laughs> you can't really, can you? So that would that, maybe a bit more depth at left wing or an attack somewhere. But if they can, if I was in their position, I would be looking to try and yeah put a lot of eggs into this basket to get that title. Yeah, they're actually quite a big club Viking historically. They've won eight uh, Elisa Serian titles. The most recent one is thirty years ago, so nineteen ninety one. That you know they actually got a good track record. What a story it would be if Viking won the league. I mean, um, I'm right in saying Brandon, they're local rivals as well, all right? So they beat recently beaten their derby rivals. Uh, that would maybe put a that would put a spanner in Brand's works, wouldn't it, if they were to go and win the league? Um, considering everyone's we've talked so much about Brand this season. Viking might sort of usurp them and do even do the title, and it would be incredible. But yeah, well, well done to everyone at, at Viking because I feel like they're a team that maybe we don't give a huge amount of credit to at times. If you do support Viking, I would love to hear from you. Tweet us at Nordic Footpod uh, on Twitter or X, as it's now called. Uh, or if not, maybe make a comment on YouTube if you're listening to this on we, YouTube. We do have a lot of followers who are Viking fans. Paul the Northman, he once uh, came on this pod as a guest. Yeah. And he's a season ticket holder there. And there's a lot of excitement. The fans have been brilliant this year. 
by the way, at home. They've been really, I think they've got the best home record in the Elitisarian. Yeah, seven wins out of nine. The fans have been superb. Like, they've been like the proper 12th man. You don't want to, it's not a place that place is going to be rocking now, rest of the season. You really are. Yeah, so yeah, fantastic story. And let's see if they can keep it up because that would be a bit of a fairy tale, wouldn't it? To be honest, a um, 30 year wait. Uh, but yeah, thank you for that, Steve. I hope that answers your question, Alex. As well, I know you've asked about Elsborg, so we will talk about maybe part two. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, but now, before we wrap up part one, Steve, a couple of other talking points. Um, well, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about Tromso. Uh, I know you're well, not. Well, exactly, Tromso didn't play. No, Tromso exactly, yeah. <laughs> have only played one match since we last did a pod. I think they beat Lillestrøm at home. To be honest, I I thought. Both Tromso and Viking would maybe slip up against Lillestrøm because that's the sort of fixture which is difficult. Yeah. But both beat them. I thought both beat them fairly convincingly, to be honest. it was. I know Lillestrøm are not perhaps at their best now, but they're not that bad either. So I think it was really encouraging for both of them teams. They have to be considered as a serious title challenger. I think uh, Tromso's game in, game in hand is against Starbeck, and that comes in uh, September. That's very winnable. Um, you know, if they wouldn't that, they're just two points behind them both. You know, after 18 games, if you're in the mixer, you're in the mixer, right? <laughs> it's no, it's not like after 10 games and you're like, oh, they're probably going to fade in the next 10. When you are, if you're still in the mixer with a third of the season left, then yeah, you're, you're a contender. It doesn't matter how you get the points, does it? It's about getting the points, I suppose. If Tromso win the league, will you go vegan for any period of time? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. If I, 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 I can't see them. That their metrics are not good enough long term. <laughs> They're not. I mean, Viking have got Viking do have legitimate strength in there, and and if they, but they could I know, do it. I know the metrics. But but if Tromsø won the league, is there some sort of you know humble pie you're going to have to eat here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want them to. I'd, I'd rather. I'd rather one of the other two win the league. But I mean, you got to be fair. If they win the league, they deserve it. You can't, you can't, you can't just rule them out just because you're they're proving you wrong. I would, yeah. At the end of the day, it's they're, they're one of them teams that this do they do keep getting results. Uh, but I just can't get behind them the way they play the football. I like I like teams to be, you know, dominating games like the way the top two have been doing really. So the underdogs, Tromso, the underdogs, Tromso. If they do it, it's going to be winning a more sort of ugly fashion. Um, and then the other thing, look, I, I obviously hate, I'm not a man who likes to be proved wrong in any form of life. Um, it very much frustrates me. The underdogs, um, Tromso, continue to make Meat Man Soccer squirm. I yeah, I don't want them to make me keep looking bad. If they keep getting results, then I'm just a mystifying loss how they're doing it. <laughs> And I hate that. For those who can't actually see what's going on here, Steve. They is, just hate is, that is in football, though, where you can't explain. <laughs> where you can't explain how it's possible to keep going in yeah, football. No, like, it can sometimes happen, can't it? Um, exactly. If they, yeah, of course there'll be some humble pie if they, if they, if they win the league. But um, I hope yeah, I'm, I'm proved right about them. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying, and uh, you know, another win for them. They continue to to win. They've beaten. Uh, glimp away 2-0 and obviously like you mentioned there they're 3-1 winner it's Lillestrom the next three games are Sandefjord at home Sarpsborg away and then Roosevelt at home so 
uh, we'll come back when they have those games. If, listen, if they're still winning by then, Steve, you're really going to be, your collar's <laughs> going to be really sweaty. But um, let's move on. Uh, and there's a few other little talking points. I mean, we've got transfers window is open at the moment, Steve, and there has been some significant movements, haven't there? And and rumours and uh, just just tell us what's the latest in the elite Serie transfer. Who are the key names that maybe are leaving the league? Who are the key names maybe joining the league? What's been who are the movers and shakers? Well, I don't know if you've been feeling like this yourself recently, but um, it feels like every day or every two or three days, a big departure has left the league. Um, you know, recently it was Jonathan Brat Bruins to uh, OH Leuven in, in Belgium. Is that how you pronounce them? You might know. Oh, he's he's left, he's gone. Yeah, he's been sold. Um, Accor Adams, obviously, we knew he was probably going to leave this window, but Montpellier snapped him up for four and a half million euros. And he scored two goals on his debut uh, against Le Havre. Uh, CD Jet is the latest one on the move. He's 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 another one gone to Belgium. I can't even remember which club. Um, this, was it was it Club Bruges or someone like that? No, he's sorry, no, he's not gone to Belgium. He's actually gone to Austria. Sturm Graz. Wow. Um, apologies there. Um, I mean, I didn't expect him to be on the move yet this window. Um, but yeah, it feels like every two or three days I look like someone has left. I don't didn't expect to be leaving yet until maybe next year. So I mean, they're getting decent money at two point six one million for a twenty year old. You know, that's not bad money. And um, Brout Bruins, I think, was sold for roughly the same figure. Yeah, 2.6 million. So, but yeah, there's been a lot of these uh, players leaving the league this this uh, window. Who would you say is the, the biggest loss? I mean, Acor Adams, we've done a... You talked mm. about not you don't, you don't like being proven wrong. You've certainly been proven right on him because our, your, our Patreon analysis, you, you, we managed to get that one in before he left the league, Steve. He's gone to Montpellier. Who would? Uh, I mean, that's a massive loss for the league, isn't it? I think. Of course, it based is. on what you've been saying. But who else massive. is kind of you know who else is going to basically change the course of the season with their departures for for respective teams? Yeah, we've. Um, I think there's there have been. I mean, look at odd of odd of lost Leopold Valstead to Blackburn. Now that was obviously confirmed. Conrad Vallum left to Sparta Prague for one and a half million. Um, they've actually signed someone, a forward called Zakaria Mugis from uh, a team in Israel called FC Ashdod for half a million. So that's quite a significant investment. Andre Illich has come in from RFS. Um, are they Lat- the Latvian side into Volarenga? 1.1 million to replace CD Jatta. And they obviously they signed Elias Hagen as well. But yeah, when you're losing talents like Odin Tiago Holm, CD Jatta, um, you know, who else was lost this window? Brout Bruins has gone, Accor Adams. Um, yeah, there's been you know, Vettelson, of course. It, it certainly feels like there's been quite a few decent talents uh, gutted from from this league. So, uh, yeah, Bert Reese left Mulder, Sheriff Sinium was went on his bike as well. Yeah, it's not, I don't know. I just expected some of these players to maybe last the whole season. Maybe I was in Clark Cuckoo Land expecting that, but um. I think you know. I feel like teams are striking a lot earlier now. They think they don't want to miss out on the talent before someone else comes and grabs them. Um, so you're almost paying a little bit for potential rather than a proven sign- a talent for a certain period. Yeah, I agree on that, and I think it means the scouts have to be quicker. Maybe when they're looking at these leagues, and 
listen, we talked about Nipan just then. I mean, will he even be there by the end of the season? Who knows? So, um, yeah, a lot of movement. One final talk about Steve before we move on from Norway and wrap up part one is uh, Lillestrom. What's been going on there? Because obviously that whole managerial controversy, I mean, your video on YouTube sounds spectacularly well, by the way. Um, well done on that. Um, but yeah, there's been some developments managerial-wise. The, re- the reaction video, what, I, what is it? People seem to like the reaction videos and, and I think shows that's our most things viewed on days. YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I don't know what it is. I, don't, I always thought it was an American thing that, you know, instant reaction to this and that. I've been on a reaction show recently for someone else that I do, uh, I work for, and I'm like, well, I, you know, it's not really a thing over here in the UK as much as it, but I feel like it's becoming more popular now anyway. But um, yeah, Lillestrom, sixth place, kind of lost their last two games. Like I mentioned, feels like they're almost going nowhere a little bit. They've hired Eilik Backer, the former Songnal manager, former Leeds player, as their head coach until the end of the season. I think this is probably a good move. They needed to, it got to that stage where the interim sort of caretakers just couldn't do any more. They needed a more permanent figure in. And Backer hasn't been actually a manager for a couple of years now. Good time for him to come back in the game. You know, he's experienced, respected as well. And uh, let's see what he can do uh, until the end of the season, really, because they're in a similar place to Rosenborg now. Um, you know, they've uh, they've got four more points, but there's not an awful lot left on their plate to play for. So can they squeeze into the top four with a good run? Yes, they possibly could. So let's see how Backer does. He's got the job till the end of the season. Jury's out on him. And, um, you know, they've got to take it from there, really. But um, I think it's, it's important for them to, to put a, a figurehead in place. How psychologically affected do you think they've been by that whole controversy? I think initially it fired them up a lot. And I think there was a lot of the players wanted to prove a point, And they're quite... A, together tight-knit group but combined with injuries combined with the whole circus Adams then got sent off and missed his last two games and then he got sold you know when you lose the top score in the league it's not going to help is it I just thought they got outplayed by Viking and and Trump's over the last two games they just they weren't terrible but they deservedly got beaten by two teams who they really going into the season um would have expected to finish above and yeah, I would have expected that as well. But yeah, this season, Lillestrom, Tromso seem to have moved above them in the pecking order. Um, and I think they're going to be a few searching questions as to how it's happened because, you know, for most of the year, they did have the top score in the league, like I said. So a bit disappointing for Lillestrom. I, again, like Rosenborg, I don't know how the season's going to end up. Either it peters out into mid-table or they do get on a run and maybe try and threaten the top four. It's more likely to peter out there, if we're being honest. Yeah, and no, Eric Becker, anyone who remembers um, football kind of in the in the 90s and early 2000s, obviously played 143 games for Leeds United, your team there, Steve, and, and also played Aston Villa. And his most recent managerial role was Sundown. So uh, he's not managed for a while, I think, according to Wikipedia. He was actually um, a really underrated player in that Leeds team. Like No one ever really talked about him, but he did a hell of a job in that midfield for Leeds. Back in the day, I think he's a he's got a good temperament about him, and I think he's a good choice. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to get him on the pod. He'd be an interesting guest. I'd love, like to see you talking to a former Leeds player. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap it up for part one. I think we've we've covered a lot of topics. 
um, in part two. We've got a sh bit of a shorter section in Sweden. There's not as many talking points, I don't think. But there are one or two little things to uh, tick off the list. As I said, this week it's more about Europe and kind of just giving an overview of what's been going on um, because obviously we've got games coming up this weekend as well. So um, let's dip into that and the one or two other transfers as well to talk about in, in part two. So stay tuned and we will discuss Elsborg, we'll discuss Celtic and a few other things after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic uh, Football Podcast. We were talking about uh, European matches uh, in the first part there. Norway's had a really strong year with three teams potentially still making the group stages. Uh, not been so strong for Sweden, but uh, Hecken have regained some pride uh, to a degree. They will be at least in the Europa Conference League group stage, whatever, possibly the Europa League. Um, we're going to talk about their match against Zalgiris now, and they're going to be facing Aberdeen next, by the way, for a spot in the Europa League. Joining me is, is uh, Jonathan Faduba. So, uh, Hecken, I mean, I, they've, they've dominated Zalgiris over two legs. That's not the easiest tie in the world. Do you think they might look back now and just have real regrets against that KI Champions League tie and, and wonder what if? Yeah, I see. Everyone. I've just uh, popped out to get my. I've just ordered uh, my Tromso shirt online in the uh, in the break. By the way, uh, while while you're away, so that's that's ordered in the post. Looking forward to getting that one. Um, but um, no, I think there's a, a bit of a regret. But I mean, Oasis once said it, didn't they? Don't look back in anger. You you got to move on in life. And I think they've kind of moved on suitably well. Smashed um, this team that they've knocked out, isn't it? Zal Zalgiris Vilnius. 5-0 uh, tonight, 8-1 on aggregate. I mean, that's the old hacking that we know and love. Absolutely romping home, um, scoring goals for fun. And that's the team, like you said, Leslie, that just didn't show up against Klaxwick, really. And I guess there will be, there'll always be an element of regret, I think. But the, the, the positive news for Bickle Hacken tonight is that they're guaranteed um, European group stage football for the first time in the club's history, which is a massive achievement. Uh, so well done to everyone at Hacken. You've got to say that that's a massive achievement. We do have a Wirescout blog about them that's just come out last week, which I, we tweeted on Twitter at Nordic Football, or you can go to our partners at Wirescout. Shout out to Wirescout, um, providers of data and analysis, excellent platform. And uh, we always thank them for their support of our work. And uh, yeah, you can go and check out the blog I wrote on Hacken if you like. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's a monumental achievement for Hacken to be in European group stage football. Um, it's been confirmed tonight as well that they'll be playing the games, I believe, in the European, uh, is it Europa League? Um, will be is it is it definitely Europa League or is it Conference League? This is a Europa League qualifying. So qualifying, yeah, wins, so they, yeah, they win. Yeah, if, well, if they, they win or lose, they're guaranteed, yeah, guaranteed Europe. Yeah. But obviously, it depends mm. which league. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, the games apparently will be played at the old Ulve Stadium, which is the new stadium. No, the new stadium, but it's the old stadium. Why is that? Um. It's a much bigger. I don't. I don't think Hacken's Stadium meets the requirements. I think they. Right. I read something about they need to maybe dig up the pitch, uh, and there's a concert going on, or they don't have enough time to do the preparations. Basically, it's old so, old Gamalulave. No, I think it's newer newer new which is the old one. It's right. always a confusing thing in Gothenburg. I new am one. absolutely. You're very confused <laughs> there. <laughs> new Ulave is the old is the old, is the old stadium. 
Right. And Gamla Ulave is the newer stadium which Beko Hakan play in. Right. Um, but I believe Gamla means old. So I think it, that means old Ulave. But uh, someone will correct me on that if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, basically it's inverted. So essentially they'll play the old stadium, uh, the biggest stadium, um, the historic stadium. That's what I've read this evening. Is this uh, so going to be a grass surface? Hopefully that'll be confirmed. I'm not sure yet. I, I read it might. It was traditionally a grass surface, but uh, you're putting me on a spot here, so I don't want to say things that I yeah. don't know are factual. But that's why there I've is just a read, question. Just read There's the question on Gothenburg Post. But anyway, the point I'm making is Hacken have done well. Um, they've made a new signing, Steve, actually, on the subject of signings, uh, and his name is uh, Serdan Hurstich. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he is a new striker. He's the Benny Triore replacement. Um, come from Serbia. He's come from Spartak Subotica and he's he's flying at the moment. I mean, he's already scored. Uh, he scored two in the first leg and he got another one tonight uh, in a 5 0 win. Ibrahim Sadiq got two. Gustafsson also got one. And they're starting to look a little bit better again now, obviously, with Layuni there as well. Sadiq's still there. He's not left yet. Who knows what will happen? Um, but yeah, they, they they just, if they'd had Hurstitch for the Claxford game, I think they'd have gone through. It was literally a case of they just needed a strike. They needed a yeah. figurehead strike. They sold. They sold Benny Traore a week yeah. too early. That's that's the bottom yeah. line. Like that week it's, is basically yeah. That week has basically cost them Champions League football. You know that 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 the hesitancy between the two signings, one leaving, one joining. So um, I, I enjoyed seeing Benny Traore make his debut for Sheffield United in the Premier League last week as well. So well done to him. But yeah, I think um, it, it's a great achievement for Hacken to be in Europe for the first time in the history yeah. of group stages. So. And in terms of Aberdeen, I think we had a, I think we had a question. See, you well, all... we did have a question. Um, by the way, Layuni has done really good, well for them. He's been a great signing as well. I've got, I've got him wrong. I'll hold my hands up there. He looks, he looks a million dollars better than when I last saw him. Um, so fair play to him. He, he looks excellent. The famous Aberdeen at famous at the famous Reds. How do you rate Aberdeen's chances against Hecken? Do you think it'll be as easy as it was for us a couple of years ago, or are they a stronger team this time around? Thank you very much for that question. I, I quite like Aberdeen as a club, I must say. Um, always have done. Got some good support up there. They had a really disappointing first half to the season last year up there. They, they was it their manager who then went on to relegate Dundee United? I think. What was his name? He was useless. That the manager they had there, and then they turned it around the second half of the season. So. Uh, interesting clash. Is this Hecken going to be a tougher version for them? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I'm just looking at um, just looking at Zagiris. I mean, they knocked out Malmo last season. Let's not forget uh, from the Champions League qualifiers. They knocked the beat them three nil on aggregate home and away. They won. So I don't know what changes have gone on in Zagiris, but they they've obviously the chain, team has changed quite a lot. I know Malmo were really poor last season, but for for Hecken to beat them eight one on aggregate is is a massive statement of intent compared to the way Malmo went out with a whimper. Um, just looking at, you know, in terms of Aberdeen, they won, what, five, I think five, three on aggregate as well. They beat them five, one in the conference league two years ago. That That's not going to happen. I mean, if it happens, maybe I'll go vegan. I don't know. You know, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be, well, if Aberdeen go through, you'll go vegan. No, if they beat Hacken five, one. I, I'm not sure who'll go through. I'm not sure who'll go through. I think I think it'll be really, I think it'll be a great game actually. I hope it's on BBC Scotland. Um, I think it'll be two great ties. Uh, you know what? Scott, I was impressed by Hearts tonight. You know, I've come away from that game thinking Scottish football is where does it where does it rank? Like obviously, you know, I had the rant about uh, Dutch football. 
I'm just thinking to myself, where does Scottish football rank at the moment? Because they I, they came out with a freshness that was. I don't, you don't see it that often in in Hibs. Hibs also are through against Luzerne, and Luzerne are not a bad side. Swiss football. Well, they knocked out. The worst, Luzerne so. knocked out your garden. Yeah, so okay. I, I do actually think, and I have slagged off Scottish football on this podcast down the years, haven't I? But actually, I believe Scottish football is on the rise again, in general, yeah, by a bit. Re- there was I a think really it's getting better again. I don't. I don't think. I mean, Hacken Hacken sort of play with the sort of intensity that I thought Hearts brought. They had a bit of an urgency about them. Certain there's certain teams in Osvenskan kind that of don't they don't have that urgency, and I thought Rosenborg got blown away by it really. Um, so, listen, I have not watched Aberdeen lately, so I can't really comment in terms of them compared to Hearts. But I don't expect it to be a five-one. I think it will still be tough. Um, I think there'll be goals. Both teams will score. But um, I think with the new signings, the way they've seemed to have gelled almost instantly, I think I think Hacken have got every chance. Yeah, Jim Goodwin, that was the manager who. Uh was absolutely terrible for Aberdeen last season. Um, got sacked after they lost 6-0 to Hibs, then went to Dundee United and relegated them. So, <laughs> I think he would have relegated Aberdeen the way he was uh, keeping going with them. But uh, So for them to rebound and you know qualify for Europe was, was really good for them. I think it's going to be re- two very interesting ties. I think both teams are actually better when, when they last face each other. So... The standard could be it could come down to a you know a small margin again, uh, maybe even extra time penalties. What, that switch of venue I don't think will help Ecken. If it's just say it was a grass pitch, they are really good in front of their own fans, aren't they? As well, yeah, just, they, just to be clear, I don't, just to be clear, I don't know if it's for the qualifier. I just mean for the group stages, like whether ah, they, whether right. they're in the Conference League or the Europa League. The group stage games oh, okay. are going to be played there. Right. I don't know about yeah. next week's game. Mm. I, I yeah. assume it will be played at, at uh, Bravida, but I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be good. Two good matches to watch. Must say, best of, both yeah. teams are yeah. going to be in some sort of European group at least. Uh, which yeah, I think, I think, the I think pressure, the, doesn't think, it? Yeah. I think the one thing to conclude in terms of the que- answering the que- listener question. Thanks a lot for the question. Uh, I think you can expect a much better hack in this time. I think it'll be a lot harder mm. this time around, and. Um, I think Aberdeen will have a tough game on their hands. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to the next point then. Just a couple of... Uh, we're not going to go extensive into our Svenskan, but one result which we, we can't let slip is the magnificent win for Mialbi. 1-0 at home against Malmo on Monday evening. They've done the double over Malmo this season. Anders Torsensen, I actually tweeted after the game to congratulate him. I watched this match and I know a lot of people lost money on this game because uh, so many were betting on Malmo before the game. So many were betting on in-running goals as well because it, it, it battered them, Malmo, on stats. They absolutely battered them. Um, I don't really know how they didn't score a goal in this game, to be honest, Jonathan. But once again, Mialbi are their absolute bet noir. How have Mialbi managed to do the double over Malmo this season? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you watched it like you just mentioned there. I didn't actually see this game. Um, I was in Birmingham. So uh, while you were in Hartlepool, Steve, I, I also had a few things going on. But you will... Sounds like you you can tell me more. Well, about I think what my question to you is in sort of, you know the general makeup of Mialbi. Like, what is it about their squad, their sort of manager tactics? I mean... In a way, it was a little bit of a repeat of the first match, apart from I thought Malmo did have some better chances. But every time they had a shot, there seemed to be someone blocking it. 
every time a cross came in, you think, oh, they're just one little pass away from really getting a massive chance. The ball seemed to be cleared. And, you know, when the shots did come on target, the goalkeeper had a really good game as well. So um, it was one of those, I think if, it's that, if that was played 10 times in, you know, in that fashion, I think Malmo probably would have won the match about five times, to be honest, let alone lost. They wouldn't have lost it very often. But um, it's unbelievable how they continue to be the scourge of Malmo. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of people would have lost money on it. Uh, they, they must not have watched the first game because uh, Mihalby went there and won and they were comfortable and they, may, they must not have listened to the Nordic Football Podcast because we talked about it, Steve. We talked about their record, Mihalby's record against Malmo in recent years under Torstensen. Um, you know, they've got a fantastic record. I think they've now beaten them pretty much every time. I think maybe one draw. Um, but apart from that, it's been uh, three defeats. And yeah, they've just become a total bogey team. Uh, something's going on at Malmo at the moment, Steve. They, they're wobbling. And this gives the advantage to Elfsborg and, and Han Hacken. It gives them a bit of hope because, you know, I know your famous quote, they're, they're going to win the league by 15 points. And I thought they'd, I've still, you know, my season prediction is they'll win the league. Still not going to move away from it just yet, but I think it is turning a little bit. Um, and part of the reason is because it's just this, these transfers they've made, they just don't seem to have recovered from losing um, Hugo Larson and Christensen. And I think the new signings have, haven't quite gelled. Um, the, the back five that we talked about a lot and this sort of tactical um, innovation from from uh, Reed's drum, it's, it's, it's kind of gone a little bit flat. I think Jorgensen, Cornelius, I mean, they, 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 they I didn't think they were great against Halmstad, even though they, they won that the week before. Um, just just seems like this this rebuild is 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 kind of put a bit of a damper on their form. They've since since the um, summer break they've had three wins, um, three losses and one draw, and it, it just seems that I think this turnover ha- they haven't quite gelled and they're running out of games obviously to get it right. The, the balance has gone. If I think they if they'd kept that team that was in the first half of the season they might already be nearly champions, but they've really suffered from losing the, those players. Um, for Miaobi, it's efficient. Um, Torstenson and and he's very good at playing in these sort of big games, especially against Malmo. Uh, they've won three of the last nine games against Malmo, which is good for such a small team. Um, and like I mentioned, you know they've 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 uh, since they returned to Osvenskan, Malmo have only beaten them a, a couple of times. So yeah, it's a, it's a really you know it's a re- they have really become like like a bogey, bogey team. And I think maybe can even maybe start to look towards towards. Um, Europe, you know, it's not out of question for them to to maybe push for one of those sort of top top places. Um, they're only five points behind behind Jurgen, uh, and they're sixth. So I think that they can be really proud of the work that they've done this season under Torstensson. I know, you know, last time when we had him on the podcast, they nearly broke the Elfsvenskan record for clean sheets in a row, uh, goals conceded. They they did amazingly well. And this season again, he's proven that he's listen. He's a he, he, I know it's kind of maybe Melby's just his club, but he's he's proven over the two years I'd say that he's um he's a very creditable manager at this level. He could potentially be looking at maybe even he might attract the eyes of bigger clubs. I don't think it's something he might want to do. He mentioned he loves his golf when he joined us on the pod a couple of years ago, but um certainly he he, he he's punching above his weight with Melby, a small club, and and you know beating the big boys here and there. So. Yeah, really big win. I think I think in terms of the conclusion there, like I say, Malby outside bet for Europe. Malmo s- s- 
still maybe just slight favourites, but um, few few causes for concern. Well, they're down to third place now because Hecken are up to second. Um, of the three teams up there, you could argue that Hecken maybe look the best equipped, uh, although they've got European group stages now, which might be a problem. Elfsborg lost again, uh, 1-0 against Hammerby. That's the second loss for them in three games. Um, I mean, are they starting to to show signs of cracking? I, I do worry about Elfsborg at the minute because, you know, it just seems when the pressure's on, they, they can't always deliver uh, anymore. That said... Is losing away to Hecken and Hammerby that bad? You know, is it that bad? Hammerby can be a good team on their day. Um, but they've had problems with the transfer window, haven't they, Elsborg, which is hindering them? Yeah, I mean, this is like, I know you just mentioned their Viking and the likes of Tromso and, of course, uh, and Mulder and, and Glimt. We've got a real we've got a real three-way battle on our hands for the title this season, I think, in, in Sweden. Uh, we really... Uh, are sort of looking at um, a, a real nice end to the season. So, yeah, Elsborg, Elsborg are wobbling. It wasn't the best of results for them. And I think that it's like at the moment, it's it's kind of let Hacken back in now. You know, who who wants this title? I feel like Hacken, they've had their wobble um, with a few, you know, they lost a couple of games, didn't they? Uh, lost to Varnamo and that kind of thing and dropped, dropped some points here and there, but with, with their European commitments. But they they're almost coming out of the back of that now, you know, and looking in, in good shape. But yeah, it wasn't, um, Hammerby, I think I, I tweeted this, like FC 20 just seemed to have single-handedly rejuvenated Hammerby's entire season. Like that, just the whole, just the whole animosity of that tie. Like there was real, I think I tweeted and some, someone even replied, like we don't, like they, they really hate like 20 <laughs> Hammerby fans now. You know, they, they genuinely, I mean, that attack from the fans and things like that, obviously they crossed the line and, there's a real like dislike for I think it's just fired up the whole club, you know. I think I feel like Hammerby were just sleepwalking this whole season and the 20 ties just woken them up. They're like, wait a minute, like you know, they really were outraged by that whole tie. Um, and it's really rejuvenated the whole club. And I think I think now they've they've come out of it the other side, like with a bit of um maybe something to fight for, a bit of passion, which they lacked. And um, yeah, it's a it's a big win. I said before that I think Roma is a is um is a massive loss, and I think that we've got another loss to talk about in a minute in terms of a, a transfer. It was actually Gustav Lagerbjörk's final game for Elfsborg. He, he he did play, even though the, the deal to Celtic was um, in, at an advanced stage, according to all reports. And he's now since made that move. But at the end of the match, he kind of like clapped the fans and, you know, it seemed pretty clear he's leaving. But I think that is, um, it's a sign that Elfsborg, that I think they need, the, to be honest, Elfsborg need the window shut. Like, if, if the window could shut tomorrow, Elspeth would take it. I, th- I think they're just worried about losing players. I think they would have wanted to keep Lagerbilka. Um, They would have wanted to keep Roma, and I think they're going to. I think it could potentially knock it. Like you, we, you know, you just mentioned there about Viking. Um, certain players that if they're missing, they, they they've got no chance. I think I think I think Elspeth could be knocked by these departures. Um, I know they've brought in a couple of names as well. They've made a few transfers themselves, um, which we can talk about maybe another time. But uh, yeah, it's it's um it's a tricky one. I mean, Jens Jakob Thomason came on and made his debut. He came from he's come from Nîmes. Uh, so Steve, you might know him. Uh, but yeah, it's I think Elspeth are going to need a win. You know, they're going to need to make, win maybe the next game, kind of make a statement. But uh, yeah, great win for Hammerby. Yeah, it's I mean, just looking at the three departures for um 
for Elfsborg in this window. Uh, yeah, Jacob Andreka, obviously, we knew that was happening. Royal Antwerp, 1.5 million. Uh, Gustav uh, Lagerbielka is you know, 3.4 million is a decent fee to Celtic. Also, Andre Roma left to Michelin. I mean, I feel like we've we never even talked about Roma and Lagerbielka too much on the podcast before, but I, by the sounds of it, fairly integral parts of their season this year. Let's talk about this uh, centre-back that Celtic have signed then. We we have several Celtic listeners uh, on the podcast. I know that. What sort of player have they got for their money? Is it a good buy or uh, is he going to struggle? Tell me more about him. Yeah, it's a good buy, but uh, good buy in the sense of good buy. Arrivederci. Uh, he is, uh, or I don't know what they, how, how they say goodbye in Scotland. Like, is there a, you know, is there a toodle pip? <laughs> toodle pip, yeah. I mean, they've got themselves a player. That's all I know. Uh, I, I rate him. I think it's a great move uh, for all parties. I think, I think it was probably the right time for Lagerbilka to move on. Uh, 23 years old. Um, he's, he played for Degafors last season and he had a really good season on loan. And then he's come back to to Elsborg and kind of gone into the first team and and he's really solidified his place as one of Osvenskan's top centre backs in my opinion. And when I saw the links uh, to Elsborg, uh, to Celtic, I thought to myself that could be a real problem for for um, that could be a real problem for Elsborg because he's just a very sort of central point of their defence. You know that that defence. You know I, I made the comment in a few weeks back that Elsborg seems to sort of almost be play, playing with a pipe and slippers in certain games, the way Larson, the way Hulk just drifting through matches, like, you know, like, like, like sort of like almost in a regal way, if you know what I mean, like really just kind of as like sort of nonchalant, like we're above this league almost feel to them. You know what I mean? And Lagerbilka plays into that. He, he's very, I mean, he can, he can get amongst it. Um, but he's also got that sort of classiness about him, which I, I thought he was showing and demonstrating. And, and I feel that he's a key pillar of that defense that, that, that's looked so solid at times, you know, certain games that where they've gone to places like Kalmar, um, gone to places like Eurogarden and absolutely bad them, you know, getting uh, clean sheets. I know um, some of the games he missed, but, you know, winning away at Elsborg, for example, sorry, winning away at AIK, for example, um, getting a goal in the 3-0 win against Malmo. He, 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 he got a goal there. Generally speaking, if we just look at, his, if we just look at the raw stats, yeah, um, he's got this season uh, just in terms of his passing and what kind of stylistically he's got an 86% passing completion accuracy this season, averaging about 50 passes per match. Um, long passes, 69.6% accuracy, 12 per 90. So, you know, he can, he can ping a pass, um, you know, he's decent in the air, aerial duels, not amazing, actually 62% win percentage, but 6.49 per game, according to Scout. Um, and as I've said, he, he can pop up with a goal every now and then as he did against, against, uh, against Malmo um, and also against uh, Mialbi, you've got the winner in that game early in the season. Uh, I do think he's, I do think he's kind of ready for Celtic, to be honest. I noticed they got rid of, um, obviously, Carl Starfer, who, who was from EFG Yotobog, who I don't like to be harsh on players, but I never, I never felt that Starfer was going to sort of go on from Celtic, if you know what I mean. I thought that that was kind of his level, whereas I feel like Lagerbilk, if he, if he adapts, I feel like he could maybe go on another level. Um, I think he's got the tools to be a, to be a kind of like very good centre back, maybe in a top five league. So uh, it's a good signing for Celtic. That's that's the way I'd summarise it. I mean, just just a little, just a few stats there basically. But I think the fee is three million euros, which I think is fair value. I think Elsborg will be happy with that. 
but obviously probably they would have been happier with that happening in December rather than whilst they're trying to win a title. Interesting uh, stuff. I uh, just want to do a little bit of housekeeping now before we finish up. Uh, some uh, questions that have come in, some uh, comments I want to say. Bottas, not Volteri, um, <laughs> tweeted in and said, Hi, guys, please do please do the top three fan bases for each league. The debate and fallout would be great. Maybe one day uh, we'll do it, uh, although you're right, we'll certainly get a bit of criticism from some quarters, wouldn't we? Um, the Besta League at Besta English um, have asked uh, a couple of things here. We've had some big talent move to both your leagues this summer. This is from the Icelandic League. Curious if any of them excite you. So we've got Isaac Andri grabbing an assist for Norshipping last round. And uh, Nokvassen, nicknamed Gummy, has already seen time for Mialbi. And Godset are apparently going to get the best left back in the league with Logie. And Oscar Borg went to Sognal. So there's a bit of an Icelandic invasion here. We had that with Rusenborg a bit last year as well. Um do any of those two players excite you, Ralph Svenskin? Uh I have to be honest, I don't know a huge amount about them. I mean, we we I, I usually rely on my knowledge of those leagues from from that podcast. So uh, shout out to to Joe and the work you guys are doing there. Um, yeah, like, I can't say I know a huge amount. Uh, I kind of rely on you guys to tell me if these are any good. But uh, I mean, you said God said so I wanted them. So you t- you tell me, Steve. I am always fairly excited about talent that comes in from Iceland. The only downside is uh, pronunciation of players. Um, some of them are absolute mouthful, aren't they? So, uh, but you can get some real gems up there. That league, I think, has, has been improving. Uh, yeah, like I say, big shout out to the Besta League. Give it a follow at Besta English. Um, it's been uh, a, a run by Joe Gold. There's been some good content on there. If you're into Icelandic football, then absolutely give it a, give it a follow. So I'll, I'll be I'll be watching these new signings with with interest. Uh, Gosset do have a history of signing some Icelandic players, so that doesn't shock me entirely there. And I think Norshipping have a history of it as well, don't they? So yeah, I mean, um, one thing yeah, one thing I'd say is um, I, I usually rely on on, on Joe to, to give me the information. He has told me about one yeah. or two players there. Um, and yeah, if you haven't followed at Besta English, uh, definitely get on it. It's an unofficial fan-operated account of um, Icelandic Besta dialed in, um, and it's run by two great guys. And and Joe, talented, talented guy, Joe, long-time listener, uh, talented graphic designer as well. By the way, he's, he's helped me with one or two little projects recently, and and he's done some of our graphics, including our logo, Steve. So uh, talented guy, Joe Gould, and long-time um, loyal listener of this podcast. So shout out, shout out to Joe. Thanks for your support as always. But um, yeah, I think I think with those sort of players, you're always keeping an eye on them. I mean, I, I do think it's a step up from Iceland to, to Sweden. Um, some do it immediately. I think some take a bit more time. So I think I've learned over the years to not get too carried away um, because I do I do feel like it's a bit of a step up, especially if you go into one of the top clubs. Um, as you mentioned there, Steve, North Shopping always seems to be a bit of a landing, landing pad for some of them. But uh, yeah. They did play... I actually have watched a few streams of matches up there this year and I was shocked how good the technical level was. I mean, I think pretty much every pit, every pitch is artificial now. I think that helps football played on the ground. I, I was impressed how how well... I had this vision of long hoof, hoofball football, a bit scrappy, 
and actually it was some decent technical stuff. So I think there's players coming out of that league now who are ready for, for the bigger Scandinavian leagues. I do want to give a shout out to one of their teams in Europe, Breiderblick. Um, unfortunately, they got battered over two legs in their Europa League qualifier. Uh, by, I think, Zerin, Zerin, I don't know, one of the Bosnian teams. I'm not even going to go into pronunciation there. The first Bosnian team that are going to be guaranteed group stage. And that only leaves now, I think, seven nations have never been involved in the, in the UEFA group stage. And Iceland is one of those countries. But Breiderblick, if they were to get past Macedonian side Struga over two legs, would be become the first Icelandic side in a group stage of the UEFA competition. So that would be rather interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, certainly. And um, I think you said was maybe one or two more questions. We're nearly nearly done. Yes, there's a couple more. Um, well, where was it? Where the, was the, it? The, the question about, just to answer the, the question about um, fan bases, we're going to have to address that maybe towards the end of the season because that that's that's like half an episode worth of discussion. And, and by the mm. way, Steve, I, I, I want to get one more trip into Gothenburg before I do that because... I may never be able to return after that discussion. So, uh, you definitely, whoever's asked, I mean, I've seen the question from, from Bottas. I think it is, I, I, you definitely want us to be in trouble in that one, isn't it? I think we're, you're asking for trouble with that. But um, no, I think we, we will do it at some point. Um, Guppy FBL asks, what happened to Sarpsborg? Good question. Their defense has fallen apart again, Guppy, really, just like it did last season, similar phase. They just they're just far too open. Jack Hack Hacken, FCP, um, who has the uh, <laughs> username who we can't really give out on this uh, episode on this show, makes an interesting point about the Portuguese league outside the top four of its big teams. Obviously, in uh, response to Aruka being knocked out by Bran, um, and basically he's uh, sort of. Maybe suggesting that the standard below those teams is not that good either. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. You know, um, you know. But I, I said I watched Braga recently, and they look excellent. So it's like, where do you where do you cut the line off? Is they, you know, four big teams is quite quite decent, isn't it? Below that, you know, I don't know what their qualification process is for teams to get in and stuff. But uh, you know, maybe there are leagues out there in Europe where they're they're overrated because of Two or three big teams, if you know what I mean. I think we've started a bit of a debate here, Steve. And I think listeners of this podcast are clocking onto something that I alluded to in that conversation about 20, where, well, should I say rant maybe about 20 and Dutch football? Like, I think the overriding feeling, like the, the conclusion is whether or not, whatever league we're talking about, I think Scandinavian football is improving and is on the up. And I think they can challenge these bigger leagues now, bigger teams. Aruka is just the latest example. I, I can't comment on Portuguese football below the big three or big, well, have Benfica, obviously, Sporting, Porto. Braga are quite a big club as well, aren't they? I think they would be comfortably better than most um, Scandinavian teams. But, yeah, I think that my overall conclusion, I mean, you just, you've just reeled off, Steve, a load of names of players who've been sold for big money to other leagues. Uh, there's clearly the talent in these leagues that we're covering at the moment. So I feel... I feel fairly com comfortable with my my rant. I mean, it was a little bit maybe harsh on one or two, but um, I think people are sort of waking up. That comment just sums it up. I think people are waking up to the fact that there's players in these leagues that can go to those sort of leagues and handle themselves fine. Um, the flip side of it is, you know, just going back to the original conversation, Steve, that started this show, I thought that Rosenborg were comfortably beaten by a, by a Scottish team. So I guess it's, it swings and roundabouts, but 
I definitely think we're tr- this, it's trending upwards, Scandinavian football. I, I don't feel like the days where um, you would go to, say, maybe Portugal or or, or the Netherlands or something like that and get absolutely dis- destroyed um, are here. But then again, <laughs> three of the four Swedish teams went out without a whimper. So, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation. And anyone who tweets in their thoughts, uh, we always respect your feedback and, and your comments. Like, we're always open-minded. Uh, as long as we're not, to- as long as you're not talking about Tromso, I think we're fairly open-minded on this show. Um <laughs> So yeah, tweet us at Nordic for Pod, of course, and and uh, we appreciate your support and comments. Yes, um, I think one thing you got to say is that there's always a dynamic with leagues. It, leagues change as well, and you know we go back to that Hearts match tonight. Basically, you know the you know you'd say maybe Hearts third or fourth best team in Scotland. I don't know. Certainly one of the top five have. You know, it's been an even match against what at this stage what was a mid-table Elitasarian club. That's a positive for the Elitasarian, isn't it? Because if a mid-table side like that could go toe-to-toe over two legs, then, you know, you'd expect one of the same, the current top three or four to perhaps beat them. It's all ifs and buts, maybes, things like that. We'll always have this debate, but it's uh, always good being with you as ever, Jonathan. And I think that will wrap up this show. Thanks all who listened. And appreciate all your uh, questions in there and uh, kind words, as always. But uh, that's it from this edition. Yeah, if you've listened to the whole episode, well done to you. And we always appreciate your support. I hope you've got your Nordic Football Podcast fix. If you'd like to support us, um, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. We always appreciate um, anyone who wants to sort of um, contribute, get access to the extra bonus content, and also just support us and help us... um, you know, keep the running costs going of the podcast because, you know, it's, uh, it's it's good, always good. Um, Steve, I just want to, before we wrap up, one thing I did actually miss and then we will end it is we, we have a massive game this weekend, by the way, uh, at the bottom of the league in Osvenskan, Degafors against EF Koyotoborg. Now, I know some people <laughs> still remember my Degafors rant, but they've had a bit of an upturn in fortunes lately. They've got a massive win against Varnum over the weekend. Um, EF Court also got a win against Jurgen, a late win. This is potentially a relegation decider, Steve. I think if Degafors win this, EF Court are on the brink. So this is a massive game, by the way. So if you've if you've got time to watch it, um, well, I think this is going to be a, I think this is going to be a big one. But you don't you don't want to miss this game this weekend. So is there any other games in in Norway maybe we should keep an eye out for, like that you're particularly looking forward to, or is that is that it? I don't think there's like a really big game that whetted my appetite this weekend. Yeah, but okay, Degafors, be... EF Core, uh, get in for that. And if you are on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, we are going to li- look at the weekend's game. So um, go to that, subscribe for the extra content, and you will hear maybe one or two little predictions and discussions. So um, thank you so much for your support. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this show. And also, we love your tweets and stuff like that. So when, you, when we did get that tweet from Joe Gould saying, Where's your pod? It does. It did give us a bit of a kick up the arse. So, um, yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, that'll be it. Yeah. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Goodbye.